Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today we are talking with Christian and Patrick from the Kalia campaign. Christian and Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Roy. Yeah, it's a pleasure for us being here. Yeah, thank you for having us, Ray. Absolutely. Well, thank you for uh, creating such an innovative product. I'm really excited about this, just way the world is and how I think, uh, you know, we, we need to be doing more for ourselves. And you guys have created a truly innovative product that, you know, turns kitchen waste into real compost in only a couple of days. So this fully automatic kitchen composter, natural composting process with some smart technology built into it. So if you guys would, you know, give me an idea of what is the inspiration to create Kalia and where did it all start? So we started the whole topic uh, or working on the topic three years ago. Kalia is a startup from, from Germany, from the south of, of Germany. And uh, Patrick, uh, who is with us, and also Johannes, uh, the third guy, uh, we all live in, in city apartments. And uh, dealing with garbage is, is really or was really a hassle for us, uh, especially organic waste. In summer, it stinks, it's dirty, uh, but of course, it's also a wasted resource. And uh, yeah, three years ago, we, we began to think, they have to be a better solution for this, which is convenient on the one hand in terms of waste handling, but also sustainable on the other hand, because uh, organic waste is really a huge uh, resource. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we started thinking and developing uh, the, the idea of Kalia. It was basically, you know, um, just to give you a bit more extra information. So here in Germany, we have a, you know, a very you know, special system of sorting waste, right? So we have usually for different waste methods, different, you know, tons behind the house. Uh, so you have to separate all these kind of things and, and especially organic or kitchen scraps, you know, they, uh, you don't, when you live in the fifth floor as I do, and you don't have an elevator here, you know, always have to sort it and bring it down. So you don't do it all the day. Uh, and then it stops, you know, starts smelling and stinking. And then um, that's really, you know, unpleasant. And then when you have uh, not so, uh, uh, let's say, waste-focused neighbors as I do, and then the waste bin really looks ugly in the summer, and it's it's definitely not a place you want to be around with. So it was my my biggest problem to solve. So I, d- I don't want to deal with all the neighbors anymore. I want to get you know get in my own hands and, and uh, find our own solution. Uh, but eventually, when we looked around, uh, just last, uh, when we looked around, we thought out it's not just a German issue, right? And all around the world, we more or less haven't figured out a way different than we did 100 years ago you know just throw everything out uh, than dealing with our with our waste so that definitely needs to change yeah what was interesting with your campaign is simply all of the top cities that backed this campaign were in europe 
um, which I think was very unique, where we typically don't see such a regional focus, if you will. Obviously, a lot of great support from your German friends and the people that you reached out to into your community being the top country. But, you know, country or cities from London to Berlin to Paris, Amsterdam, Dublin, Zurich, Vienna, I mean, a lot of support in Europe. So, you know, this campaign raised nearly half a million euros with over a thousand backers pledging into this campaign. So I'm interested to hear what type of, you know, inspiration in the design process that you guys went about to include such, you know, a beautiful product in your home that's, you know, doing the dirty work, if you will. So when we were uh, developing the product, we noticed quite quick that this will be a product for for people, especially living in the city. Uh, I mean, Patrick uh, mentioned all all the uh, topics and and, uh, problem points before. And uh, yeah, these are problems you, you normally have in the city and not not in a uh, not outside of of city where you have like um, a big house with a big garden things like this and uh, so we focused on yeah designing a a, a small and compact uh, product which also fits perfectly in a in a city kitchen but also uh, yeah has a high standard of convenience uh, that it doesn't take you much time that it's really easy you throw the waste in and at the end uh, you get compost out uh, so that was a very important uh, requirement for us that it's uh, of course uh, small for a small city kitchen and uh, yeah it doesn't cost any time and and brings a high convenience to the uh, to the customer at the end and what we did in the beginning is also i mean we did a lot of you know workshops and and design you know feedback loops with our customers so in the beginning we had these little foam blocks uh, <laughs> and more or less like played a bit of a of a lego or puzzle game right so we had different method, uh, different different height levels, and we tried testing with potential customers what they prefer. Uh, you know, where would you place it under the well below the, the, the surface under the sink? And we we had many many iterations until we came to this uh, final design, which we believe now is is a really you know great way of entering this new category. But we learned you know very quickly that ideally uh, people would love to have it also built in into their kitchen. But obviously, for a campaign or also for for a young startup as we are, uh, this is a very difficult way to go. You know, you need to go in contact with kitchen manufacturers and suppliers. Then kitchens are not, you know, easily bought as a new device. Uh, so it's definitely we got a lot of inspiration for for future technologies to not just build a one product company here, but but having a, a whole category. So it was really valuable with the customers, and we still get a lot of you know feedbacks and, and ideas. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier in, in this that you did a bunch of different feedback or testing with your community. How long ago did that begin and how many different product iterations or designs have you guys gone through over the years of perfecting you know, the initial designs of this product? So we basically, as, as Chris started, like the first paper draws were you know, two years ago. And then first we had a lot of paper uh, uh, designs uh, from, from the actual design itself, right? I mean, we had technical functional prototypes which just you know where we tested the process and, and the, the way the machine works right the shredding the drying and then the actual composting uh, but these were you know typical big machine well not so much big machines but but definitely way bigger than than what you see now in the campaign and what we are finally designing at the moment uh, but these were testing machines and when the way we actually i think was probably beginning of last year uh, when we actually had the first, you know, design prototypes, and then I think we now we are in the fourth generation of of, of the product itself. That now it works, and we now just 
you know, the last tweaks here and there and, and finding the right components to, to eventually come to the very, very final design, which then will also go into production. So, yep. so basically it was more or less last year and we don't expect many changes anymore coming up. We also share a little, a little bit of our design journey on our, on our campaign pages. So at the very button, you can, uh, yeah, you can find many iterations of, of Kalea. So as Patrick mentioned, we, we were interacting a lot with, with potential customers, uh, just to be sure. That this is a product which also uh, yeah will fit uh, perfectly in the kitchen and, and uh, which also has uh, like a high design standard uh, to uh, to be accepted by uh, by our customers. Yeah, we also found Looks out like you potentially went through a name change too. Uh, yes, we also had a name change. Um, <laughs> that was, I think, one of the very most or a lot of emotional it goes in into name changes, especially when you're uh, you know a founding group of three. Everyone has you know some sort of favorites and 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 goes and. Uh, it took us quite a while in a couple of workshops and, and maybe even uh, the one or the other beer in between. We don't know. <laughs> um, but yes, we had a name change. Um, first of all, we, we always loved to have a, you know, it should be a good sounding name, which combines for something something positive. Uh, but we found out that the, the first name we had was Kiora, was already uh, used by another manufacturer in the kitchen space. And we also found out that, you know, the whole kitchen appliance uh, industry is, uh, it's a very competitive space and there's a lot of things are protected. So we had to change that. Yes. Got it. But so luckily let's it jump in. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was lucky. Luckily it was early enough before we actually, you know, then prepared for the campaign. That could be a definitely a showstopper, right? You don't want to yeah. build a brand twice. So we didn't know, our, yeah. uh, we didn't launch our campaign yet. And uh, basically it was just on a, on a product uh, design draft, but uh, we never went outside with, uh, with our old name. So uh, yeah. That's why we could yeah, we, uh, do the transition quite smooth. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, we've seen a handful of campaigns and companies, you know, launch with certain names and then that gets wind of whatever corporation or company that already has that mark yeah. or name or whatever it may be and having to change their name either during the campaign if it gets shut down, you know, or there's copyright or trade right, you know, infringements. Um, but that's great, you know, that you guys obviously have gone through that and now have protected the name and have finally settled on something, at least for the first product and figured out what, what the next ones look like. But interested to dive into the Kickstarter campaign. And obviously you guys had great success. What led you to thinking or finding that crowdfunding was the right way to launch this product initially? So um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we believe the home home composting space is just a very it's still a new category. There are only a very few players out there who are tapping into that space. And most of them, well, most of the alternatives you have are not really technology solutions and, and, you know, use a lot of space. You have warm bins and other, you know, similar solutions. Uh, so it's still a very new category. And, you know, when you enter or want to define a new category, it's usually even for a startup, a, a very risky process, right? It's not just we are more or less copying uh, something that works in one country and try to apply it to another. So we only have that market risk, but here we have technology and market risks. And we wanted to know, you know, do we have a fit and use the crowdfunding, uh, not only as a, uh, as a funding mechanism, but also as a, the best market research you more or less can get out there, right? Cause you see where you get your interest from, where do you actually have buyers, where, you know, people are willing to support you know, certain, certain price points because we wanted to start also with the, with the early price points to see where these coming from. And you mentioned we are, uh, uh, 
we expected this to be a very uh, European-centric campaign and we focused most of our ad spending in before for Europe. Uh, but surprisingly, we also got a lot of support from other countries, which we not directly targeted ourselves. So we, we now learned that or learned that the uh, North American market with, with the United States and, and Canada are surprisingly strong and we definitely uh, you know, should not keep them as a second market, but also make them together with Europe as a primary one. So it was very, very uh, insightful for us. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about some of the marketing prep work you guys did leading up to the Kickstarter campaign. And Chris, you want to start? Yeah, no, of course. Of course. Yeah. So we, we started with, uh, with our marketing activities in yeah, the beginning of this year, uh, all the, uh, in the two years before we were uh, more or less just focusing on the um, technical part of the product. And yeah, that's why uh, when we uh, launched our website, when we started with uh, social media activities and uh, our idea was to, to conduct the, the Kickstarter campaign in June this year, but then yeah, there was an issue called Corona. So um, we had to postpone everything uh, up to up to October. And after this uh, Corona break, we started again in June and uh, did uh, like in three months, uh, the main marketing activities, which were like uh, PR, uh, we were approaching uh, newspapers, magazines, uh, blogs. Uh, we started targeting on, on social media. And uh, of course, we um, yeah did also partnerships. Uh, spoke with other with other startups to uh, yeah get some ideas how to to uh, to do community building and uh, prepare the the Kickstarter campaign as best as we can. And yeah, but I think what was uh, what was okay, the key success it. factor? Yeah, what was the key success factor? I think here was uh, in my eyes that we had a very specific approach, or we tried to have you know. Uh, we spent a lot of time in beginning to build our customer personas and who do we actually want to target to. And we try to tailor that as, as specific as possible, right? Because with this kind of product, we're having, you know, we, have, we usually think of three personas. You know, we have this young, you know, young couple living in the cities uh, who are very, you know, tech savvy, but also uh, environmental friendly. And, you know, we, we, we thought of which are similar products they are usually buy. Uh, which magazines do we specifically read? So very detailed persona and, and target specifically those. Um, and, and that was, I mean, with the power of, of uh, social media, you can have very specific target uh, ads and we were able to achieve a, an excellent uh, acquisition costs basically, right? So we were um, able to attract even more people than we expected. That was, that was very helpful. And you mentioned these city approaches. That was especially we designed for us so we targeted um, 15 cities only with our ad spend at the beginning and really to use, you know, build a community there. So we also have some sort of word of mouth uh, focus because if you have a more or less shotgun approach, um, it's very difficult to utilize. Yeah. And was, what was also quite interesting, uh, as Patrick mentioned, that we targeted 15 um, cities uh, in, in social media. Um, after three months, we uh, we had around 30,000 people signing up for our newsletter. And these were people from around 75 countries. So uh, at the beginning, we also, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we hope that this won't only be an issue uh, or this won't only be a product for Germany or or uh, Central Europe. Um, but we really found out that people from all over the world are interested in, in having a better solution for, for treating organic waste at home. Absolutely. So you mentioned that, you know, finding the three personas and then targeting the cities uh, specifically in, in Europe. Were there any other factors that went into some of the pre-campaign marketing that led to greater success than others? 
I mean, <laughs> good feedback, obviously, from, uh, from, you know, I think this is advice for everyone, right? So, I mean, uh, don't do it just on your own, but speak with a lot of people who, you know, had a successful campaign. There was, I think it was not this very, you know, single point, but it was uh, many, many, many small uh, hints and tips on the, on the way, which really helped us, uh, how to approach such a campaign. Um, but I think eventually it's, you have, you need to have a, a really, good plans. We more or less planned every step, uh, every week ahead, what we try to do here, how much, how much posts, what are we going to engage, what are our KPIs? And it was really a managed process, right? So your campaign shouldn't be just, you hit the submit button and then you wait 20 days until it's over and see what's there. It definitely needs to be very, very uh, detailed planned. And I think that's, that's key. Maybe it's just me being German and saying, we love to plan everything, but <laughs> I think for us, it did really worked out, right? And the most and and one of the most important uh, things is definitely have a have a great video. So that was the the start of almost uh, all of our activities. That uh, yeah, that you have a, a great video explaining the product well, and uh, yeah, makes your your customers understand the product and and want to have it. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this is at the end uh, the base for for all other activities like PR, like social media. Um, that was also very important. Absolutely. Yeah, I well, I mean, if, if Louis Pasteur didn't say it better, fortune favors the prepared mind, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So after the Kickstarter campaign ended just recently, you guys moved over to Indiegogo In Demand. Uh, can you tell me more about why you guys decided to go that route and any of the sales that you guys are seeing there? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, we have uh, still uh, quite a way until the delivery of our product, which will be at the end um, of next year. And uh, during the campaign, we received what, between one and a half and 2,000 emails, uh, uh, most of them with um, yeah, feedback regarding the product, uh, which was very helpful for us. But we also noticed it didn't slow down after the campaign. And uh, if you explain the product to customers, uh, the second question is, is always, okay, and how can I get it? And uh, the Indiegogo in demand campaign was for us just a way that... Uh, yeah, we can uh, still provide a, a way to to uh, people who want to back us. Yeah, and actually back us uh, and also receiving a product later on. So uh, that's why we decided to also uh, run an Indiegogo in the Mad campaign. Yeah, in terms of talking about, strong, you know, I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead, on, Yeah, sorry, it's just saying, utilizing on the strong, you know, interest we're still having, not just going uh, silent now, right? We, we know, we understand uh, that we have usually quite a long, um, you know, time to deliver. We have from the time from the day we started a campaign till uh, when we think we ship, it's it's 15 months, which is you know uh, above average uh, what you see usually in Kickstarter. There, and we're happy that turned out, and you know we're able to demonstrate uh, that we are credible. And but yeah, so we don't want to go silent until then, but also you know keep our, our community engaged, tell them what we do, and uh, if more and more people want to support us on that way we're happy to do so and, and indigo is a great way to you know have that without us having to build up uh, earlier than what we need a fully fledged uh, online shop right so that's that's a really great feature of indigo in demand um, absolutely so you mentioned a little bit about the experience with your backers so far and receiving thousands of emails you know throughout the campaign itself how have you guys gone about you know managing that feedback and potentially pulling in some of those ideas or thoughts that your community is sharing with you into either this design or future designs given that you guys won't be shipping this until December 2021 so 
yeah, we try to uh, to find the a good way to yeah to kind of collecting this feedback. Uh, so I would say half of half of it was just about the product. So um, how much en energy uh, does the device use? Uh, what can I throw in? Um, what means real compost? So I would say uh, there are five or six, or there were five or six questions which would cover almost eighty or ninety percent of of the questions at all. So uh, we took them and and tried also to to make this. Uh, questions or more or less answers uh, more stand out on our website and we also um yeah got many many uh, potential sales requests from all over the world uh, that's something we uh, we definitely uh, will uh, jump in into the next year and we also got many uh, ideas for a, a business to business solution that was also quite interesting because it was not really on our agenda we had this idea but uh, we got many, many use cases from the from the industry, starting from a small cafe to a restaurant, or yeah, we even got a request from a from a chicken farmery, um, uh, or or vineyards or things like this. Um, so yeah, this also uh, there were also many, many ideas for a potential B two B solution later on. Yeah, that was actually I think we were quite lucky that uh, you know people didn't request something very different <laughs> with the questions. So it was uh, we were lucky that. Most of our hypothesis uh, of what is important to people, right? It you know, should fit everywhere. It shouldn't smell. Uh, definitely, timing is a factor. So these were all, you know, supported through the questions. That was good, um, but it mainly helps us for coming up with the next product. I think that was one of the most valuable insights. Actually, that people have a huge demand for not just taking care of you know their waste or organic material at home, but they see it as a general problem, which hasn't really been tackled uh, also in the office space or restaurant space, as Chris mentioned. Nice. So with the campaign just recently ending, I'm very interested to hear what your biggest takeaway is of launching your product on Kickstarter. So it really is uh, definitely a Kickstarter to all of the activities and the whole team. I mean, it, it helped us to focus all our efforts, right, for, for the campaign uh, to, you know, to bring everything together, all the work you do. Uh, it's a massive team effort and, you know, I can't can't say how much uh, you know. We're excited now that with 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 this uh, in the background uh, of really making it happen, it's a it's a you know big support factor and and gives us a lot of motivation of we're really here on the right track, uh, and and many many people believe in us and we yeah we want to deliver on them and and and, and use build on that success further. Beautiful. Well, gentlemen, this is going to get us into the launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions. Patrick, you drew the short straw, so you ready to go? Yes, I think so. <laughs> All right. So, Patrick, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Uh, actually, the way of you know building something and see the success uh, of it, so you really know what you you know what you did at the end of the day. If you could meet any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have a coffee with? Ooh, that's a diff diff difficult one. There are many, many great guys. So um, that's not really fast round, but I think I want to meet the uh, founder of TerraCycle. So uh, it's um, it's Tom Zasky. I hope I pronounced the name correctly. So he founded a firm as I said, called TerraCycle. Actually, he started as a very similar idea than than what we do in Kalea. Um, it's basically a firm which tries to recycle almost everything and um, he he started very very early already on in his uh, university times and you know gave speeches on the UN already on this topic and I uh, just love his mindset and his passion of tackling this you know more or less a, a 
a bit of dirty and, and boring topic, but you know, tries to make something great out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting Tom years ago before they uh, started running their equity crowdfunding campaign for their company, TerraCycle. So uh, ah, definitely so see if I can connect you after this. They would be awesome, yes. Absolutely. So what, what would be your first question uh, if you had a chance to meet Tom? Well, we should do something together, I think. <laughs> so, um, I agree. I think, I think it would be definitely a great one, right? So, so you know, how can we... How can we make uh, you know make something out of the compost we do and, and, and build on that? I think that would be a great idea to to love his ideas and his you know his way because he also started very early on with composting. So definitely, what are we gonna do here? Nice. Uh, what what book would you recommend to our listeners? So it's not actually a typical uh, startup book, but it's one I, uh, I I was you know I read years ago. I was fascinated, but it was called Built to Last, and it was a book by Jim Collins, um, and he basically was. You know, what I really like is it, it's a management book, but it was founded on a lot of research. So I don't like books where people, you know, just share you know, their, their five cents and everything. But he really did a lot of research and analyzed many, many companies and, and found, you know, foundations which they share. How do you, you know, build a successful firm, which I found very inspiring uh, if you want to be there for the long run and not just having a, a, a quick a quick success and sell it out. Uh, that's definitely not really what we want to achieve. So. I think it was a, a really inside book for me. Yeah, Built to Last, definitely a great read, as well as his follow-on, I think, right after that was Good to Great. Uh, again, yeah. another great read for all the startup founders out there. Patrick, where do you guys see yourself at the end of 2021? Uh, so hopefully we are having a, a full container of ship products out there and um, having a lot of you know, happy uh, happy uh, smiley customers sending us feedback and you know first... Uh, First idea is what they do with all the compost and, and their garden activities, but actually already starting, as we mentioned earlier, on, on, on scoping the B2B device or the second generation. I think it would be awesome if we have uh, you know, no delays and uh, can work on the, on, the, on the next generation. Absolutely. All right, Patrick, last question in the launch round. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? Uh, I think it will even further develop to you know even more broader view. So we saw that a lot of our people... Uh, were first-time backers, so I think it's especially in you know crowdfunding, uh, well, not so mature markets as in, in Europe. I think there's still a lot of potential of going there. So if you're having uh, you know great campaigns where you you also need to explain people how it works, uh, then definitely it can grow even further and help a lot of small firms to you know not just get that first money, but also huge market insights, which we found very very valuable. Beautiful. Yeah, over a third of your backers were first-time backers, so that's great to see. Yeah. Well, Patrick and Christian officially made it to the end. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. Chris, this one is on you. All right. So, um, yeah, as I said, we are Kalia. We we have a great device uh, coming which uh, turns your organic waste at home into, into real compost in only 48 hours. We launched a successful Kickstarter campaign and uh, we are still available on, on Indiegogo. So um, yeah, please go on Indiegogo, search for Kalia and uh, bring this amazing product home to you. Wonderful. Well, audience, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, and links to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Hype. Patrick and Christian, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart.
Thank you, Roy. It was a pleasure and um, a really nice uh, talk with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Roy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.